and welcome. I'm Beth Schenker, the host of The Big Schmear. For those of you not familiar with The Big Schmear, this podcast is all about Jewish food. I want to explore a wide range of topics that I hope you'll find interesting. Some ideas on my topic list include holiday foods, Israeli food, Jewish food trends, the politics of food, the history of Jewish food, farming and food sustainability, and favorite Jewish restaurants around the world. I'll be interviewing chefs, food authors, and critics, and quirky folks who love to cook and talk about Jewish food. I want to keep this podcast lively, and I'm hoping you'll help by sending me your ideas for future shows. You can reach me at this email address, beth at thebigschmear.com. Schmear is spelled S-C-H-M-E-A-R. Be sure to keep this address handy. I'll have recipes to send out to you and special giveaways that I'll be sharing with you. And be sure to check out my website, thebigschmear.com, where you can download episodes of the podcast. I'm excited to get back into our conversation that I'm having with Ina Pinkney, the breakfast queen. For those of you that missed our previous episode with Ina, let me tell you a little bit about her. Ina Pinkney is a Chicago legend of the tastiest kind. Known as the breakfast queen, she fed Chicagoans for 33 years, first out of a small bakery, and then from her beloved breakfast restaurant in the West Loop, which she closed in December of 2013. An undeniably outstanding chef and astute businesswoman, Ina is so much more. She's a community leader, a pioneer, a television personality, a columnist for the Chicago Tribune, the subject of an award-winning documentary called Breakfast at Ina's, which is a great film, and she's the author of a memoir cookbook called Ina's Kitchen. Most importantly, she's the rare sort of person who's found a way to transform her passion into a joy that extended to an entire city and beyond. Welcome back, Ina. Thank you. We, we covered so much in the first one. I hope they'll download that one first. Me, me too. <laughs> me too. So to just continue on the topic of Jewish food, and I know that you're no longer at the restaurant. Tell me how Jewish food is part of your life these days, or maybe maybe it's not. Is there some other connection you have to Jewish identity? What's, what's cooking? I'm a very traditional Jew. I still light candles on Friday night. And one of my go-to dishes when I need as much comfort as possible is matzah meal latkes. Ooh, I and love nobody, those. And nobody knows that about me but you now. Uh-oh. I just cannot stop. When I need it, I need it. And I make them, and I sit, and I just enjoy them. Uh, Passover was always my favorite, and as soon as my mom would bring in the matzah, we couldn't wait for matzah brai, even the day before. Right. That's just the way it went. But matzah male latkes, and I had a customer for years who would come in just for those, and I would make it just for him. Because they weren't on the menu, but I would always go up to my own. Uh, I had a little kitchen upstairs, and I would make him. So I want to know what you had with yours. Oh, we were a sweet family. Ah, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were a sweet family. A little sugar in the raw, a little maple syrup, whatever sweet yeah. uh, you know, sugar would go on ours. Yeah, I did that too. And I also used to have jam with it. Yeah, a lot of people did that yeah. too. They asked for that. And my husband eats it with like salt. And it's like, yeah, I know. that's all wrong. I d- yeah, it's, it's all the same wrong. thing with the people who put salt and pepper on matzo brine. Yes, I, I, he uh, does that too. I know. I it's don't not get, good. No, I think that's grounds for divorce in three states. It, it should be if it's not. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell Steve you said no, that. No, please don't. 
<laughs> so before I share with our mm-hmm. audience how you and I met, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, because we're talking about food and cooking and all of that, tell me what are the five most important things in your kitchen that you absolutely have to have? Could be food, could be appliances, could be whatever, but what's the five things that you have to have in your kitchen? I got spoiled having an espresso machine at the restaurant, so I have a small espresso machine, not a not a pod, mm-hmm. a real one that you have to actually make. I have to have a really good knife, a really good knife uh-huh. and a cutting board, and I have to have a good pot, whatever that is, a braising pot. Mm-hmm. In terms of food, I have to have half and half for my coffee. I'm right. a simple girl with simple <laughs> tastes. <laughs> All clad pots, crups, you know. I have to have I have to have that. I always have eggs in the house. Always. That's another it's a mm-hmm. staple, so that's more than five. But that's okay, we'll let you get by with that. that. That's what I really know. I have to have that. That's, I have to have that. It sounds that sounds like a kitchen I could live in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So I wanna tell folks just briefly how we met. A good mutual friend of ours, Chef Laura Frankel, who was actually a previous guest on on Mm -hmm. our podcast, was inviting a a number of people over to her house for Shabbat dinner. And I didn't ask who else Laura was inviting. I had no idea how many guests or any of that, but I, I was game. And she's a great cook, so why not, right? Right. So I arrive at the house, and I it turns out I'm the last person arriving. And one of the people sitting in the living room is you. And I have to say, I was pretty intimidated. I just thought, oh, "Oh, I was. Like, you're the breakfast queen. And how could I talk about food with you? And how should I act? And all all of that. But as I was processing all of that, but hopefully had a smile on my face. All the time. And at the same time, you were just so welcoming that I immediately felt comfortable and then found myself talking about favorite recipes and how I was, I'd been on this quest for the perfect rice pudding recipe. I don't even remember how it came up. And we certainly weren't having rice pudding at dinner. No. But you talked about your recipe and you said, oh, Beth, I'd be happy to share that with you, which I found, like, I was really taken aback by that. I thought, wow, just, that's amazing. And you said, you know, just email me and I'll send it to you. And I thought, okay. And we had a lovely dinner. Food was great. All the other guests were interesting. Not as warm and friendly as you, but they were interesting. And sure enough, I go home, email you, and you responded right away, sent me that recipe, and I did make it. Mm -hmm. And it was, for those people Mm -hmm. listening and might be curious, I have stopped my search. That was the perfect rice pudding recipe. Well, you, you were the recipient of maybe 50 attempts on my part over the years to find a recipe that was good enough. Well, because nothing measured up. Yeah, that well that's Yeah. I totally get that. And I'm not sure how you feel about this, but I would love to be able to share that recipe with anybody who writes in um, to Beth at thebigschmear.com. What do you What do you think? Anna? I think that's the best gift we could give out. All right, I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of what you just mentioned, I wonder if you could tell me, and maybe you have one or two stories about this, maybe even three. <laughs> what was your best or worst? food fail? Because just as you said, you tried out lots of recipes. So there must have been a recipe or two or something that you just had a total fail or and or you turned it into something great. I don't know. 
I don't know if I had any of those in the restaurant, but the first baked cake I ever baked, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't know how to do that. And I, that was a fail. I mean, three times it failed. The fourth time I finally could conquer it. But I didn't know about myself that I would be able to look at a recipe and know if it worked or not. And that's what I discovered about myself, that I could look at something and go, that's going to be really good, or that's not going to have enough eggs in it, or that's going to be too salty. I didn't know I had that ability, and I found out that I did. It was like that man who wanted my sour cream coffee cake. Right. And I had no idea what he was talking about, except I knew I had a recipe that, that felt like what he wanted. So I can't tell you that I ever had a really f- a big fail in the restaurant. Um, since I stopped working slash cooking, I seem to burn everything at home. Oh, no. Leftovers? Pfft, uh, terrible. <laughs> I'll bring home something from a a restaurant, and I'll put it in the pan, and then I'll think, oh, I'll be back to this in a minute. And then I smell something and go, oh, I guess that was my dinner. Oh, geez. Is is that a Freudian thing, you think? I'm lost. I'm so lost. (laughs) I know. If it wasn't for peanut butter and jelly, I would be dead now. Oh, geez. (laughs) But, you know, I think think that's really a good lesson, even for me. Is that just because you, it doesn't work out the first time doesn't right. mean you should really quit. Right. Because it could wind up being the best thing you ever had. And that chocolate cake originally was the best cake I ever made. Now, that was 1980. I just did a, a speech in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I was telling this story about the surprise birthday cake delivery service. And at the, during the Q&A, and a woman raised her hand, and she said, I ordered that service for my husband. Now, this was 2017, and that was in 1980. She said, I can still taste that cake. Oh, my goodness. I know. I know. So (sighs) you never know where it's going to go. No, you don't. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So this is not so related, but somewhat related. I'm interested if you have a Jewish food restaurant anywhere in the world that you could recommend or that you think we should try? Hmm. The answer to that is I was having a flashback taste memory uh, the other day because I bought some pierogi from a friend's bakery on West Lawrence, delightful pastries. Hmm. And I brought them home and I cooked them up and I was taken back to when I moved into Greenwich Village in 1965 and it was a very solid Ukrainian neighborhood some Jewish, some not. But the grandmas were making pierogies 24-7, and I could walk wow. into the Odessa and sit down and have a pierogi in the middle of the night. And, that's, and I, I've never seen it in that way since. The answer is no, I don't have a favorite. I was a deli person in New York, Second Avenue Deli. You know, that's what I did in New York. Yeah, how can you? You can't right. miss. No, you can't miss. And we don't have that here. We just don't have no, that should- same... Chicago doesn't have it. No. We have a lot of great things, Uh, but we don't have that. We don't have that. So I wonder if you would feel okay about sharing a little bit from your book that we mentioned a little while ago called Ina's Kitchen. And and I'll just tell folks that I own this book. It's just such a lovely book. There's great photographs and, of, of course, wonderful recipes. But there's also all these great stories, and you really learn more about who Ina is. So maybe you could read a little something. I would love that. And 
I wanted to add stories about my grandpas. I was named after my father's father, Mm. Isaac, who had a butcher shop when he came over from Russia. And my other grandpa, who I adored, who lived with us for a little while. Uh, The thought and the women who struggled to survive so that I could thrive. Mm -hmm. What kind of courage did it take to get on a ship, not know how long you were going to be on that ship, not knowing what you were coming to ultimately, and yet having the courage to get on that ship and to come over here. I marvel at that, and when I light Sabbath candles, that's what I think about, that I'm made of that DNA, Mm -hmm. you know, which is where my resilience, I think, comes from. This is just a little story, because this was my favorite grandpa. After her mother died, my mother's father lived with us in a small one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn. I was two when Grandpa Sam came, and five when he left. I remember him being ill, and my mother caring for him, my infant brother, and me. He was a sweet, lovable man with a mustache and white hair, born in Russia, and while I don't know how he earned a living there, in New York City he was a milliner, making beautiful hats in a factory on 37th Street. Among my most cherished possessions is a roll of pure silk ribbon from him. I loved sitting on his lap and talking and talking and talking, me talking, him nodding. One day, in order to stop my incessant chatter, he said he had something very important to tell me. I got very quiet. Ina, he said, everyone gets a certain number of words, and when they use them up, they die. (laughs) I thought about that for a while, asked him how old he was, and then kept right on talking. I would watch him eat a raw onion like it was an apple, or he would butter some bread and lay a thick slice of onion on top. Despite the smell, I asked if I could have some. He showed me the hair on his chest and said that eating onions was the cause. I declined without hesitation. Many years after he died, I remembered the raw onion sandwich and made one. Of course, I used the best pumpernickel, the best sweet butter, and the juiciest Vidalia onion, and it was divine. But I checked the mirror in the bathroom just to be sure. (laughs) What a great story. I love that. And there's a nice picture of my grandpa here and my grandma with me sitting on her lap as a little baby. Oh, I know. It's uh, very sweet. I love looking at this book. It's my life. Yeah. Speaking of that, if people want to know more about how to get that book or to find out more about you, how would they do that? The book is available anywhere books are sold, so they tell me from Agate Publishing. And if anybody wants to order it directly from me, they can just get a hold of me through thebreakfastqueen.com, thebreakfastqueen.com. I'm happy to ship it out myself. The movie is interesting. It was made for the last 31 days of the restaurant's life, and it's in film festivals all over the country, not on streaming service yet. We're hoping for that. It's such a great film. Thank you. So I'm sadly out of time. I've had such a great time. And also, besides wanting to say thank you for, for you sharing your evening with me and taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here, I want to wish you a happy birthday. I can't believe that you've chosen to spend some of your birthday time with me. <laughs> this is really an honor. So I'm, I'm going to have to say bye and close for now. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to The Big Schmear. Our engineer is Mary Mazurik, and our theme music is performed by Cavatino Duo. This music can be heard on their CD entitled Sephardic Journey on the CD record label. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to let me know what you think of The Big Schmear. Write me at beth at thebigschmear.com. Schmear is spelled S-C-H-M-E-A-R. 
Bye.